Welcome to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Often, the Most Holy Trinity is linked intimately with the word mystery, which certainly is a proper theological term when speaking of the divine life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as well as sacramental life, to speak only of two realities. The difficulty is that our present Western way of understanding the word mystery differs from the word's usage in the biblical and post-biblical era of the church. In our present culture, we tend to equate mystery first and foremost with the unknown. Such entices one to employ various methods to figure out the unknown and resolve the baffling enigma. In the biblical era and the first few centuries of Christianity, mystery was used differently. The word mystery is grounded in the Greek root verb muo, which means to shut the eyes or shut the mouth. While there is some debate in linguistic circles as to whether muo involves closing both the eyes and mouth, it seems that mystery begins in the arena of not seeing, not speaking, and not eating. In other words, Mystery, from a theological point of view, places emphasis first and foremost on listening and receiving the word of another. Recall the gospel for this Sunday from St. John, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Notice in these three verses, Jesus' teaching focuses on the actions to speak and to declare. That which is spoken, that which is declared, 
is the very life of the divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's mystery. Listening to Jesus' catechesis on how to live and then living it. Mystery, far from being first and foremost an unknowable or incomprehensible reality, it's about a way of living. A way of living grounded in that which is heard from the lips of Jesus. This brings us to consider some catechesis and insights from the writings of St. Athanasius of Alexandria. It is impossible to overstate the towering importance of St. Athanasius in the 4th century. Shortly after Emperor Constantine's Edict of Toleration in 313, permitting the open practice of religion throughout the empire, public discussion of Christian theology became quite fashionable in many places, most especially in the intellectual epicenter of the Roman Empire, Alexandria, Egypt. Everyone, Christian or not, had a thought or two regarding Christianity. It was a very fluid time as Christianity was now finding herself out in the open and having to present a new rationale for their hope in Jesus Christ. Within this historical setting, a pastor of a large community of Christians in the Bacallus section of Alexandria, the same place where it is believed St. Mark the Evangelist was martyred, a pastor-priest by the name of Father Arius offered regular theological reflections, what we might call today adult faith formation. In the year 318, Father Arius offered a series of catechetical lectures on the identity of Jesus, wherein he essentially taught that Jesus is a created being, in other words, not God. A very important teacher, a very important prophet, if you will, someone whose insights as to how to live must be taken to heart, but certainly, as far as Arius was concerned, not God. Needless to say, Arius' views were not shared by Alexander, the bishop of Alexandria, nor by the archdeacon of Alexandria, Athanasius. Some patristic historians note a public debate featuring a presentation by Father Arius and the archdeacon Athanasius. At the end of the presentation, Bishop Alexander thanked both presenters 
and concluded by reminding all present that the archdeacon Athanasius presented the true faith of Christianity, that Jesus is a fully divine person who possesses a divine nature or a divine way of acting and a human nature, a human way of acting. The differences between Arius and Athanasius were not only clear and public, but they unleashed a firestorm of division in Christianity, necessitating a major meeting of bishops in the city of Nicaea in 325 to clarify the words used in expressing the identity of Jesus as Son of God, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. St. Athanasius was a prominent player at the Council of Nicaea, which promulgated a creed, the same creed that became the basis for a later creed at the Council of Constantinople in the year 381, and consequently the creed that is used in our parishes now each Sunday and various solemnities. Shortly after the Council of Nicaea, Athanasius became the celebrated bishop of Alexandria and fought tirelessly to refute the teachings of Arius because Athanasius knew the vital importance that words play in sounding a way of living to be graciously received and lived. Many of St. Athanasius's works, sermons, and letters remain in existence. We will listen to an excerpt from his letter to Serapion. Serapion was a very holy man that Athanasius came to know through St. Anthony of the Desert. Serapion himself founded a monastic community and eventually became the Bishop of Thumis, about 80 kilometers northeast of present-day Cairo, and was always grateful for the intellectual and theological guidance of St. Athanasius. And so, from St. Athanasius's first letter to Serapion, quote, it will not be out of place to consider the ancient tradition, teaching, and faith of the Catholic Church, which was received by the Lord, proclaimed by the apostles, and guarded by the fathers. For upon this faith the Church is built, and if anyone were to lapse from it, he would no longer be a Christian, either in fact or in name. We acknowledge the Trinity, holy and perfect, to consist of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In this Trinity there is no intrusion of any alien element or of anything from outside, 
nor is the Trinity a blend of creative and created being. It is a holy, creative, and energizing reality, self-consistent and undivided in its active power. For the Father makes all things through the Word and in the Holy Spirit. And in this way, the unity of the Holy Trinity is preserved. Accordingly, in the Church, one God is preached, one God who is above all things and through all things and in all things. God is above all things as Father, for he is principle and source. He is through all things through the Word, and he is in all things in the Holy Spirit. Writing to the Corinthians about spiritual matters, St. Paul traces all reality back to one God, the Father, saying, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in everyone. Even the gifts that the Spirit dispenses to individuals are given by the Father through the Word. For all that belongs to the Father belongs also to the Son. And so the graces given by the Son in the Spirit are true gifts of the Father. Similarly, when the Spirit dwells in us, the Word who bestows the Spirit is in us, too, and the Father is present in the Word. This is the meaning of the text. My Father and I will come to him and make our home with him. For where the light is, there also is the radiance. And where the radiance is, there, too, are its power and its resplendent grace. This is also Paul's teaching in his second letter to the Corinthians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. For grace and the gift of the Trinity are given by the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Just as grace is given from the Father through the Son, so there could be no communication of the gift to us except in the Holy Spirit. But when we share in the Spirit, we possess the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Spirit himself." End quote. Let us pray. God, our Father, 
who by sending into the world the word of truth and the spirit of sanctification made known to the human race your wondrous mystery grant us we pray that in professing the true faith we may acknowledge the Trinity of eternal glory and adore your unity powerful in majesty through our Lord Jesus Christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit God forever and ever amen st. Athanasius of Alexandria pray for us glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever amen hallelujah